Hi, welcome to Notes from the Road. I'm your host, Evan Peary. I've spent more than a decade on tour with acts like Pentatonix, Dan and Shay, and Andy Minio. And I've slept everywhere from tour buses and floors to one-star hotel rooms and 15-passenger vans. My goal with this podcast is to provide a window into the side of touring life you don't see on Instagram or MTV. The behind-the-scenes, nitty-gritty tales of comedy, chaos, and camaraderie. Every episode, I'll be speaking with a different touring professional I've met along the way, giving them the opportunity to tell their story of how they got started, where they're headed, and everything else in between. This episode, I'm joined by Andrew Cook, who's played drums for The Receiving End of Sirens, A Rocket to the Moon, and Dan and Shay. Andrew's a deeply talented human. He plays music, is a fantastic artist, and savvy entrepreneur. His story starts out with a chance encounter in the Northeastern University cafeteria and leads to him playing drums for three completely unique artists across two decades. We talk about evolution, pursuing what makes you happy, and always being the most prepared person in the room. This is Notes from the Road with Andrew Cook. Welcome to Notes from the Road. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for sitting down with me today. Happy to be here. Um, And yeah, so that sort of backbone thought of this this episode will be evolution. So evolution of you as a musician and a touring musician um, in particular. Like as and a person who believes in evolution in general. Great. Happy to discuss. Charles Darwin. But uh, yeah, we'll discuss some personal evolution. What, um, if we were going to jump all the way back, what are some of your first memories of tour? What, what did that look like? Who was that with at that point? Mm. Um, Andrew now has played in several bands over the years. Three, The three most prominent being... The, I mean, the only three, really. Really? <laughs> but, well, I mean, if you exclude my, like, high school bands, I mean, I guess those count. But, sure. yeah, I started uh, a band called The Receiving End of Sirens uh, in Boston with a few dear friends. Uh, that was back in 2003, and we did that for five years. That band ended in 2008, and then in 2009, I joined A Rocket to the Moon and did that until... 2013 I want to say mm-hmm. and then in 2000 at some point in 2013 I talked to Dan Smyers who I had just done a tour with uh, when he was with his old band Bonaventure and they came out on tour with Rocket and he told me about the Dan and Shay thing and uh, that they were going to be looking to put together a band and I was fortunate enough to get asked to come out to Nashville and jam with them when they started rehearsing and I Flew out from L.A. where I was living at the time with two suitcases and put my stuff in storage and never went back. So it's been a cool ride. Um, Pretty much at this point in time, every band I've been in, I've been in for about five years. And this is the first time that there's, you know, a longer light at the end of the tunnel where it's not ending after five years and so, it's so hence the idea of evolution of like yeah. your your trajectory of yeah. a touring musician so third time's a charm as the cliche goes hey uh it's funny because the first two projects they sort of met a natural end that didn't feel super forced after about five years and then for anyone who's been paying attention to the world of dan and shay you'll you'll know that in the last year, things really hit a tipping point, as it were, uh, and really took off Big with year. the success of Tequila. And it was just really cool to see that fifth year approaching, which in the course of my life has been a make or break point, uh, and see that fifth year approaching and see the outcome 
transpired differently. Sure. Uh, go yeah, the other way. Right, right, right. So, a big upswing instead of a downturn. Yeah, and it's been it's been really cool. So I've really been soaking it in the last year as we've been playing shows that have been bigger and the crowds have been more enthusiastic and just seeing the amount of press the guys are getting that it's kind of glowing and you know obviously the Grammy win was huge for them but sure. just seeing the change in perception and feeling like oh it's happening like right. this is this is the result of five years of hard work when it goes the right way you know and it's different now obviously because um, I'm in effect a, a hired gun you know um, I'm an employee of the band but th things don't really feel that way for us on the road as most people that know us are familiar with I mean we have a pretty strong sense of camaraderie out here and our band was definitely built differently than a lot of the bands in Nashville were um, and it was built heavily around personal relationships and a lot of us right. go way back um, so it just feels different it, it while while the success of everything is distributed differently now because of the structure of right. the organization but that's you know that's fine that's how it goes um it still feels exciting for everybody everybody can kind of rejoice in it together and enjoy it and we're all legitimately stoked for the guys and it's obviously more fun to play shows where there are more people and they're singing along louder sure. i mean who wouldn't enjoy that you know it's right great. we and this is exciting for me because this is the first version of this podcast where actually I, I came out and joined all of the guys, mm -hmm. Dan and Che, and then the whole entire band just for the weekend to kind of um, come see these shows. And they just played a show. Andrew and the, all the guys just played a show last night in St. Augustine, biggest show I've seen them headline. Yeah. You know, like head, yeah. solo headline, yeah. crazy crowd, screaming the words. Yeah. Like every, not just one big single, but like whole show, crazy energy. And yeah, when they start singing the album cuts word for word. Mm -hmm. And you can hear them over your in-ear mix, even if you don't have the crowd mics in ears. You know that's wow. the time that things are happening. It just—it's really exciting to be a part of, and it feels cool to see the hard work that your friends have put in pay off for them. You know, because they really have worked insanely hard. And talent can only get you so far. Like it takes a lot of talent, a little bit of luck, and a lot of hard work. Yeah. You know, uh, and they're so deserving of it. So it's. It's really cool to witness. Cool. Uh, well, but then now let's let's yeah, transition. I straight off. I straight off course there from the. No, no, no but that was question. great because that, but that, but that's the current state. So literally, what yeah. I love about this is like currently you're we're experiencing that this minute. Like we're yeah. out and you we're, you know I'm here seeing it. We're in it. Yeah. In, in this exact day, like also you may note there might be some a little bit of sound check going on behind in the background yep. with us. So we're we're out here and I, I, that's my my kind of end game goal is to like get out with people and, and like this podcast is about yeah. touring so like we we should be able we're, to do we're this. having an yeah. authentic we're immersive experience immersive here. experience you hear that bass bouncing off the walls that's morgan <laughs> evans sound checking who's currently opening for dan and shay on this yep. leg of the tour great guy i was thrilled to learn recently that he is a fellow melancholin fan oh yeah, we're, we're similar in age right from very different parts of the world but he grew up kind of that like surf skate culture listening to a lot of epitaph fat rec bands and we got into a conversation about it the other night and he brought up melancholy and i was like oh my god hell and, yeah you know we've talked about that out. a little bit over yeah. the years too busted well. out my penguins and polar bears tattoo for him you know it was an instant connection he's a great dude so cool happy to be out here with him opening um but yeah 
Evolution. Yeah. Here we are. Well, and then, so think about now, now think about your first experience, like getting in a van with the guys and receiving any yeah. sirens. And, and what, 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 is, what does your memory take you to? Like, what do you remember the most about that? Especially versus right now, mm-hmm. you know, like think about the contrast. There are, yeah, there are a few things that stick out. Um, I think about living in Boston, which is kind of new territory for me. I grew up in a small town in Western Massachusetts and I had a couple options for school and ended up choosing Northeastern in Boston pretty much solely because I wanted to live in Boston. Um, I'd spent time there growing up just going to shows and stuff like that, but I just loved the city, wanted to be there. And then the first day that I went for orientation... I was in, I want to say Stetson East. Any Northeastern kids will know what I mean. One of the cafeterias, pretty sure it was Stetson East. And I lined up to get some food. And the guy in front of me, I recognized from the kind of Northern Connecticut pop punk scene, if you will. So my buddy Alex Bars, uh, who was in a band called Settle for Nothing, which became Overlook. Uh, He was wearing... I remember uh, Overlook. I remember that band. That was Alex and Brendan who were both in trios for me, that was their band, who I thought were like the biggest deal in the world when I was in high school. We got to play with them a couple times at various teen centers. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I recognized him in line to get food, and he was wearing a used shirt um, for the band, the used, not like a used T-shirt. <laughs> um, Which went into 2003-ish? Yeah, this so was... Like right this the- was... This was fall 2002. So uh, right, that band was... On the the use that is they yeah were, yeah, yeah. So that they was had just like a, blown up yeah yep because I graduated high school in May of two thousand two I'm old uh, <laughs> yeah so this was fall of two thousand two saw the shirt went hey I love the use he's like oh cool me too and I was like aren't you Alex from Overlook he's like yeah and then I told him that about my you know ridiculous high school band I was like yeah we played at the Summers Teen Center together this <laughs> this and that. And I asked him what was going on with that band. He said they had broken up. He's like, oh, Brendan, who was the bass player and other vocalists, he said, you know, we're both going here. We're roommates. Uh, we're going to start a new band. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, I play drums if you're going to try out drummers. And he's like, yeah, we were talking about jamming when we go home for winter break. And so that's what happened. Uh, our friend Nate came back up from Florida. He was going to school at Southeastern in Lakeland, Florida. He came back up. This is probably all really boring for people. I'm sorry. <laughs> he came back up. But important met, details yeah. to getting to that you know, start. Yeah. yeah. So we we all got together and jammed and didn't really know exactly what we wanted to do. We knew we wanted to sound like Thrice and Glassjaw and Refused, probably, I would say, were the biggest influences early on. Um, putting those Thursday. Th- putting those four bands now yeah. out there, so it's heavy but melodic. Yeah, post-hardcore, but like melody with some heavy shit. Um, anyone who's heard that music knows what I'm talking about, I think. Um, probably a lot of the first songs we wrote together sounded a little too much like those bands <laughs> on the list. Uh, but we eventually figured it out. Um, yeah, and that that whole time was really exciting because everything was new. Everything was an adventure. And I mean, going on tour then is so different from going on tour now. I mean, now we live this lifestyle that people refer to as weekend warrior country style touring Mm -hmm. where we leave 
on, say, a Wednesday night, get on the bus, play three shows, and get home Sunday morning. And then we're home Sunday night until Wednesday night again. It's great because it's much more suited to having a life Afford, outside of yeah, the road. Affords you a life to yeah. actually enjoy a home. When you're, when you're younger, you're willing to get in a van and leave for 10 months out of the year and not go home and eat Taco Bell every day. <laughs> and struggle just for your art, you know? And then at a certain point, there has to be a crossroads of passion and economics and you have to make choices that kind of help dictate the course of your life. And it can't, I mean, for some people it can, but for me, it couldn't always be about purely passion, you know? Like at a certain point, I think in both my previous bands, we we hit a spot where we were like, is this... Is this working? Is this worth it? Right. And <clears throat> I think in both cases, we hit a bump in the road that could have been surpassed. Like we could have gotten around it. And if anything, my biggest regret with the trio stuff, receiving into sirens, is that we let a couple kind of like sophomoric issues and personality clashes and things like that get in the way of what could have been an otherwise really special thing and I think that we had a lot more life left in us and I think we had a lot more music to make and that I think we very well could have been a band like Thrice that still making records today and selling tickets and doing what they want to do I for sure think that that was in us but none of us were mature enough to handle the position we were in in a lot of ways we let you know conflicts with members get in the way and you know it's just all part of learning. We were all young. and It's part of life. Like, yeah, life, part of life. You know, like you thinking, of you reminiscing or thinking about it now as somebody who's 34 years old, you know, versus 24-year-old, you you saw it at a completely different angle yeah. at 24. So we learned I, a lot of hard lessons. Um, you experienced a lot of stuff on the road that you'd never experienced before and that kind of changes you and shapes you. And I still have, you know, so many great memories from those days and, some on stage, some off stage. A lot of them that I probably shouldn't talk about on this podcast. Well, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm never that's, young I'm not, and doing dumb shit. Right? But, uh, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know who else asked me that? Your former roommate. Uh, he asked me if this was going to be a Christian <laughs> positive podcast, and and he was like, "Or can he?" Literally said, "Or am I like allowed to talk about butt stuff?" And I said, "Well, it's still my podcast, so I'd appreciate yeah. you not talking about it's that." Could be Evan Pierre friendly. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, where was I? But yeah, you can curse. That's where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, evolution, I think, comes down to like emotional intelligence in a lot of ways. Uh, comes down to your ability to process information you're being given, to read rooms, to to take things away from every situation and 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 learn from them even when things don't go well and certainly in the case of my first two bands things ultimately didn't go well and then with rocket i mean i joined something that was already on a pretty steady path towards success and the band was drawing kids and making money and um the whole process of me joining the band was rather tumultuous and there were some big hiccups there but eventually it got smoothed out and i started touring with them on warp tour 2009 and we toured off the record On Your Side, which all fans seem to really love, which is 10 years old this year, which is insane. Wild. Um, Wild. And then we made the next record in Nashville uh, with Mark Bright, 
intending for it to be a little more of like a grown up, almost like country influenced thing. Uh, Interesting. I don't think and, I, knew, I don't think I knew that about that. Yeah, follow up record. Uh, and then, unfortunately, fortunately for him, but unfortunately for us, John Janik left Fueled by Ramen, our label, to go mm-hmm. uh, replace Jimmy Iovine at Interscope. I mean, John. For anybody that's familiar with him, I mean, he's a, a legend in the making. He's just like a guy with the Midas touch. He's I super mean, cool. For he's, that timeline of of <clears throat> he was the guy. He was the tastemaker of yeah. like the alternative. He has the best year. Yeah. You know, he's responsible for, you know, panic, paramore. The list goes on. Like fun. Fall out boy. Fall out boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's insane. Um and he just he knows his stuff and there was a time when he was still at FBR where he said, okay, we're, like, we're going to put everything we have behind this record. <clears throat> it's going to be a huge priority for us. We're, we were going to break this record. And we're like, yes, this is awesome. John believes in what we're doing. And then we made the record. There was a weird lull, a little time period that passed. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, John was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Interscope. And we're like, oh, shoot, that's, that's a big deal. Um, and it was, again, awesome for him. And he's been crushing it since but things at fbr like there was a bit of like um lag in the turnover process and our record and our band kind of got lost in the shuffle for about a year's time and we just never really recovered from it and everybody kind of decided it was time to move on and you know everything i think kind of happened as it should i'm not one of those people that blindly believes in fate or like everything's predestined or anything like that. But I do think that there are moments in life that kind of tell you that you are where you're supposed to be. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm where I am now because of Rocket, because of, you know, meeting Dan on right, tour with so them. And I was in Rocket because of Receiving into Sirens. I mean, they asked me to join that band because of Receiving into Sirens. So everything kind of happens like a domino effect. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned over the years uh, is to just be a good person and be kind to people and always have your eyes and ears open and just try to learn as much as you can. But most importantly, just like work hard and be nice to people. You know, my friend Ray has that tattooed on her. I've always loved that. Like work hard and be nice to people. That's all you got to do. This is going to continue to be a recurring theme on this podcast because I think everybody, regardless of, what your status is in touring or in entertainment or in li- in life. Mm-hmm. So Andrea Howitt that I work with her pentatonics, she said that phrase because she, yeah. for a little bit, she was at the Tonight Show. She's like, it's plastered on the wall. She's like, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure Conan O'Brien. I was like, yep, yeah, Conan O'Brien famously put that in his when he was on his way out of the Tonight Show. That was yeah. his, you know, work hard and be kind to people. Yeah. I think it's just a great life lesson, period. It is. There, there's period. this like misconception with some along the way, sometimes you meet people artists that have like an attitude about them or a bit of ego about them. And that's really unfortunate when you encounter that. And I think there's a misconception that for someone to be famous and successful, they have to be kind of a dick or like kind of like closed off. Are we still good? We record? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I, I found that that's not the case with the most successful people. Like all the most successful people I've met in my time are all super cool and really kind. And like the the thing that made me think of this is the Tonight Show thing because mm. we've been lucky enough 
recently with Dan and Shay to do the Tonight Show with Fallon. We just did Seth Meyers this past week. We've done Kimmel a couple times, and all those guys are so nice. It's not, I mean, you know, Jimmy Fallon's not coming into the band green room and shooting the shit with us for 20 minutes, but like when you have your moment of interaction with them, they make you feel welcomed, like in a sincere way. They take time out of their day to come by and say hi and say thanks for being here. And it's just like, it's a good example of like, just because you're at a certain level of success or power, you don't have to be a dick to people. No, like and, and you, the last thing that maybe you would even expect as a band member to just even get that interaction, and the fact that they are just coming and saying, hey, thank you for being here, glad to have you, yeah. et cetera. And yeah, you know, you brought up um, Mike a second ago, Mike mm-hmm. Finn, yeah. one of my dear close friends and former roommate. Um, Mike is one of those guys... I think you can attest to this, where when his name comes up in conversation around touring people, you always get that, oh, my, that reaction. Yeah, like, always. Everybody's so excited to talk about him or to find out that someone knows him. Um, and there's there's a lot of people like that in the touring world, but he's like one of those special ones. And I, in thinking about that, I always aspire to be one of those people. I don't want to be one of those people where when your name comes up in conversation, people go, oh, man, like, do you hear, you know, this or you know that? Like, I, w- I would shudder at the fact that people might have negative things to say about me. And so that ties into the kind of life motto, I guess. Or well, just, yeah, and leaving your mark on fans of yours for over all this, yeah. this course of time, yeah. you know, being in, you know, directly in the band and kids wanting to come up to you right after the show and say, hey, and it's how you left people, you know, yeah. and, and they're following your career now. Maybe they come in, they've come to see a Dan and Shay show just because they were, yeah. you know, we, you know, you and, and Justin Richards also from a rocket to the moon is mm-hmm. now playing with Dan. So like maybe some of those. Yeah. There's, that, there's definitely you know. some of those, they, you know, they tweet at us or hit us up on Instagram and it's cool to witness that. Yeah. They will come to the shows to be supportive of us. And that's, you can see the difference in that when bands from that world act like that, like the main, they've always been great about signing and taking photos for fans after shows. They don't do paid meet and greets. They just go outside and talk to people for sometimes three or four hours. It's a bummer for people like me that are their dear friends that only get to see them like once a year. And then like when they come to play in town, you want to hang out after the show, they're like, okay, we'll be free by 2 (laughs) a.m. Because we're going to go talk to people. But it's commendable, man. It's like, and it's a testament to them keeping and retaining fans yeah, and and it, and it works mm-hmm. and they're just they're completely authentic and sincere about the way they run their band and their business and they make great music and that's like you know they're a great example for young bands i think of how to live life in this world and yeah. how to be true to what you want to do and not everybody has to go the diy route and start their own label i mean that's a tough road as they would attest to sure. you know um but if you can do it i mean it's great. I mean, like Hanson, those guys do that now. I mean, we've been lucky enough to get to know them over the years because we toured together in Rocket, and they do everything themselves now. They have like a compound in Tulsa. I yeah. mean, they have their warehouse of all of their catalog, like physical I mean, records. They have a studio. They have everything. Literally, so, uh, Andrea also it, just a huge Hanson yeah. fan. We talked about that a little bit <laughs> when she was on. Um, and like so, a lot of people do, but like I also have been trying to ask people just some very particular questions about um things that are important to them on the road or just number mm-hmm. one. So excluding your phone and your computer, even though yeah. I know you use your computer pretty extensively yeah. on the road, what is your sort of number one touring travel essential type thing that you take with you on the road? 
And I can't say phone or computer. Because I feel like most, for the the most part, people, you know, that's a standard now. If you're traveling, you're, you're, and you're working in some capacity and, you know, we all have a phone. So what's your other sort of favorite thing to travel with or take with you on the road? Pillow and blankets. Yeah. Um, I have a shredded memory foam pillow that I use at home and on the road. I have two of them. Uh, And as subtle of a thing as it is, it actually makes me feel more at home. And I have a, this like red cashmere blanket. It's the softest thing in the world. And uh, I bring that with me on tour and it just makes me feel... Comfort. Comfort, yeah. yeah. It's it's important to have that kind of touch of home while you're on the road. And that's a really little thing, but it helps. goes a long way. I think that um, like with what you just said before, because I would agree with, you know, 22-year-old Evan on the road, you're just... Yeah, going, surviving. You yeah. don't want to be home. You just yeah. you're you're breathing, living, eating it every day. Yeah. And then now us in thirty four ish yeah. year old versions, you're like, I wore Vans sneakers every slip ons for yeah. five years. On why? Why did I do that? And so like now, legit having like the comforts of um, anything from home that like makes you just mm-hmm. be able to sleep or relax or. I don't yeah. know, not feel like you're so far from things. So that's one of the things I always like, the, these are the things that like when you're so far from home, like what brings you joy and, and keeps you happy. And I guess also in the evolution of Andrew Cook and touring, et cetera, is um, I've never seen somebody side hustle as hard as Andrew <laughs> on the road. So he has not only, you know, now because he's playing for an artist where he isn't the focus all the time. He's just got to support and do his thing and the band just needs to get up there and crush it. He has a little bit more free time. And so he has found a lot of creative outlets to um, occupy his time, but also, you know, fulfill his, he's, he's a wonderful artist as well. Um, So he's found ways to not only do that, but also make money, double, you know, extra money while he's got some free time traveling. So yeah. I try. Um, sometimes I wish there were more hours in the day, as we all do. Yeah. But, yeah, I I always joke with people when they ask me why I do so many things that I need to keep the existential dread at bay, but it's kind of true. I, I, uh, I don't like to sit still too much. I don't like to let my brain wander and contemplate existence because that's what I tend to do if I have too much time on my hands. Right. Um, so, yeah, I have a couple other jobs. I would say in general, I have three main jobs. You know, one of them is being the drummer and band leader for Dan and Shay. Uh, the other is being an artist. I have a, a brand, a company called EasyCo, E-Z-C-O, uh, where I do mostly merchandise design and label and branding and packaging and logo work and stuff like that. Um, and then my third job is owning a bar in Nashville called the Fox Bar and Cocktail Club. It's my favorite bar. No, I'm not even just Thank trying to like plug it. <laughs> Andrew's a dear friend of mine, but it's literally he he made my he made the bar in my brain when I yeah. want to just go well, and sit great. and have a calm drink. It's I, a lot of my friends tend to say that because I think we made the bar in our brain, uh, my partner Brian and I, and with the help of many talented people. But you know that's what we wanted to do from the get go was make a place that we would want to hang out at, and it just so turns out that a lot of my friends want to hang out at the same kind of place. Sure. So we lucked yes. out. And, you know, now we're hard at work on bringing our second concept to life, uh, which will hopefully happen by the end of this year. And I'm honestly busier now than ever with design work, and I've been lucky to have some new clients come my way. And, you know, it's just fortunate that 
I have a lot of things like that that I really enjoy doing. It doesn't doesn't feel like work. I mean, there are times when it does feel like work. I mean, people would assume that getting to play music for a living is a dream, and it is. It's awesome. But there are times when it feels like work. I think everybody would attest to that. Yeah. Um, from the top to bottom, you know, every different level of success, people can relate to that. You right. know, even people that you think are the most successful people in the world, the, you know, Ed Sheeran's or Taylor Swift's who are selling out literal stadiums, they have nights where they go on stage and they probably don't want to be there. Just like if you work in an office, you're a CPA, there are dates when you just want to not go to work. You don't want to crunch numbers or do whatever it is you do. You know, I mean, I... We're all humans. We're all humans. We're we're entitled to that, I'd say for sure. We we all want to love and be loved and be happy and, you know... The, be okay with being not happy sometimes. Right, too. and the, and the difference is that person's job is to get up there in front of a stadium and entertain yeah. you, and the other person is is helping you with your finances. But yeah. we're all entitled to the pause pause yeah. button. I think yeah, for sure, it. you definitely need it, and it's good. I think I started working when I was really young, um, probably like to an illegal degree. Uh, <laughs> Same for yeah. the most part. I think it's something in the Northeast. We, Our parents yeah. want to put us to work and get us out of the house. As houses. soon as you can get a permit, like a driver's <laughs> yeah. permit, they're like, well, you got to get a job now. Yeah. Um, so I started working really young and I worked a lot of shit jobs. Um, you know, I had a lot of fun doing them and I had a lot of experiences that, you know, shaped me in a lot of ways and have a lot of memories from that era. You know, I worked at a sporting goods store. Um, in high school, I worked at CVS. I worked, uh, in a kitchen. Um, I've done just about every job there is and some were better than others. Some were terrible at times. And if anything, it just really taught me the value of hard work and it taught me to appreciate when I have a couple dollars in my pocket. Same. But it also taught me that money is not everything either. You know, it's like, there's a huge misconception that, wealth equals happiness. And we all know that that's not true. I mean, whether it's, um, I don't know, you, you see cases of people that are wildly successful, um, that are super depressed or, you know, it's like not only people that are broke commit suicide. You know what I mean? It's like everybody struggles with mental health, no matter how successful or wealthy you are. Like you just said, I mean, we're all humans, you know, we're all, on this weird spinning rock together, we're all experiencing things through the prism of our own self and our own ego. But like, we all have universal problems. We all, you know, bleed the same blood, as it were. We like. Yeah. Well, uh, to touch on that real quick, um, the the other focus that I've made sure I'm having people just give me their thoughts and opinions or what they personally do. Um, in terms of that, uh, is what are you? What are what are some of your regiments on the road for wellness, both yeah. physically and mentally? You know, and I, I think everybody's is slightly different, and um, it's it's just good yeah. advice to anybody at, that's out there listening for your personal life, or if you also tour and what you can do. You know, and, and that's evolved, I'm sure, from you know your early touring van days to now, where you you can you have some space and time in your day and. Um, some better. Yeah, uh, I certainly um, have more time and more resources. The resources too. Yeah, I can thankfully work more comfortably now that um, I have usually a nicer green room to post up in, or the front lounge of the bus, and I'm not just driving the van eighty percent of the time. Right. Um, you know, so, some regiments on like you know physical fitness and mental health. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. Like what, are, what are some of your day to day things out here that you you've, you yeah, tr- you try yeah. to you know accomplish? Even like I know you usually well, warm uh, up especially. 
Yeah, war- warming up, I mean, before a show is crucial. I mean, any drummer can attest to that. I've been kind of a clumsy child and clumsy adult, and I've broken a lot of bones. I've broken both of my wrists several times. Um, so I've, I already have issues with arthritis and tension and achiness. And, you know, I stretch and warm up pretty rigorously before I play because it's essential. I think uh, exercise on the road, much like at home, but exercise is crucial, not just for physical well-being, but for mental well-being, mm-hmm. because I found personally that when I'm struggling with kind of bouts of depression, that natural endorphins are the best cure. Uh, it's tough because when you're on the road a lot, it's a very enabling lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I basically have in tandem the two most enabling lifestyles. I own a bar and I tour for a living. It's ridiculously dangerous. Yeah, a lot of alcohol Um, floating around. Yeah, if Mm -hmm. I didn't have more self-control, I'd probably be in really bad shape mentally and physically. Um, But one of the side effects, I'm sure people can relate to this, that I've found from drinking consistently on the road. And it's not like you're going out and drinking a bottle of whiskey a night, but it's like, you know, have a vodka, stay a drink or whatever. No matter how much, like even if I have a little bit of alcohol, it affects my mood the next day. Um, And no amount of coffee, as much as I love coffee, as do you, uh, no amount of coffee can change like your mental state or your physical state. Coffee does not make you less tired. So... I can't tell you how many times a week I hear someone say, oh, I only slept for four hours. I need like three coffees. I'm like, that coffee's not changing anything about your level of tiredness. So no, I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's an important point. that myth right it's now. A, but it, yeah, it's a point of enjoyment for me and routine yeah. more than anything, the oh, coffee. Yeah. So there are nights when I go to bed like, and I get excited like when I was a kid and it was Christmas Eve and I was mm-hmm. going to bed thinking about waking up and opening presents. Sometimes... I go to bed excited about waking up and drinking coffee because I know about Same, the kind of dude. coffee I'm going to make and I'm already excited. We we are. Uh, <laughs> I blame Andrew and all the the Dan and Shay team guys for making me get real into coffee because they <laughs> had the devices that fault. led me to having owning so much coffee gear. But same. But I didn't but, even drink coffee until I was. 24 I want to say my my first like real girlfriend Lauren she got me into coffee and I I don't know I just never thought about it and it like I toured for like the entire time I was in trios actually mm-hmm. I didn't drink coffee at all and I had a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of long drives where I, I mean I'd probably drink like five hour energy or something like right. that or but, Red like, Bull. Yeah, I just wasn't into coffee and it totally kind of changed the game for me it, it, it changed a lot for me creatively because coffee kind of ignites a spark in your brain that I'm sure you can all relate to if you drink coffee where it's just like, it's like a switch is flipped and I just want to like go, 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 go and like create as much as I can. Uh, And as I've progressed in my professional life creatively with design work and stuff, uh, I'm fortunate that now I'm able to get more work done in a day where when I was still learning and teaching myself things, I mean, I'm still learning and teaching myself things every day, but when I was really first starting out, sometimes it would take me a full day to figure out something that I wanted to do or to get something to look a certain way. And then much like with songwriting or any trade, like you, you get, you know, some tricks up your sleeve and your, your proverbial bag of tricks expands and then you can do things faster. And so then it's like, drink some coffee, get Mm -hmm. going. And I can do like three projects in the space of time that I used to be able to do one. And that's a sign 
to myself that I'm progressing, thankfully, and learning. Um, but, you know, there's nothing quite like that, like, first morning buzz from a cup of coffee where you're just, like, excited to take on the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's a cool feeling. And it's, it's 100% a drug. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, <laughs> Right, a legal drug. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and people are fully addicted to it, yep. myself included. Yep, uh, yep. yep. Um, okay, just uh, two other general kind of thoughts that you can, or three, but we'll start with two. For yourself, going back, so three phases of, you know, receiving End of Sirens, Rocket to the Moon, yeah. Dan and Shay, or let's call it 15 years span, but yeah. let's go back it's 10 years and then five years. What advice would you offer to yourself in those sort of transitional moments? Um in life and then in doing this as a career, is there anything you would tell yourself at, let's call it 24 and then 30, 29? Yeah. Um, one of the first things that comes to mind, and this is just kind of shooting from the hip, I didn't really prepare for this, so apologies <laughs> if my answers aren't as intelligent as I'd like them to be, but the first thing that comes to mind is I would tell myself <clears throat> to not be afraid of confrontation, and I don't mean that in a physical sense, uh, although I am afraid of confrontation in a physical sense, <laughs> same, same. Uh, I'm definitely a weenie, but, uh, no, just not to be afraid of like emotional confrontation of facing up to mistakes that you made, like looking people in the eye and apologizing. Um, I think that's something that I've had to learn to do over the years is like own my mistakes apologize directly to people and just like man up about things, you mm-hmm. know? And, and in that case, like those things you're thinking of are like talking even to some of your bandmates and, and, yeah. and, and like hashing something out yes. that could have, that, that was an easy problem to fix. And maybe yes. you guys just didn't much like in relationships of a romantic nature or mm-hmm. friendships, uh, uh, things fester if you don't address them mm-hmm. and, the way we imagine things in our mind is always way worse than the reality. It's just like when people are scared of snakes and then your grandpa's like, it's more scared of you than you are of it. Right. Like, oh, thanks yeah. grandpa. That's right. really smart. Um, that's kind of in a way like the difference between our perceived reality and actual reality or what our imagination tells us about a situation because human beings love to project i do it too i mean i'm guilty on i mean text messaging now with how prevalent that is i mean who out there is not guilty of reading someone's one word response and be like oh oh okay yeah wow really like and if they put a period at the end of that (laughs) monosyllabic response god forbid you know and it's like they say what's wrong like what are you talking about and like it's it's just funny because Mm -hmm. We love to make things worse in our minds. And when I was younger, especially in the trio days, and we had an issue with one of our members, instead of just like being adults about it and talking to each other, we would just like talk behind everybody's back and we kick someone out of our band that, you know, we shouldn't have probably. I mean, we were all having a really hard time and that person was hard to live with at the time, but right. like, you know, we've since made amends and, and it, it's, I, I was really bummed at what it did to everybody's mindset and everybody's like emotional well being, And, and I was really bummed that it took 
this opportunity away from away from us, like this opportunity that we had worked really hard for that um, it was sort of a unique creative partnership. And he was a big part of that. And we kind of threw it away because we were all immature and, and didn't handle it the right way. And, you know, I went through that in Rocket as well, you know. Um, that kind of shit happens when you're in bands. Everybody knows that that's been in a band right. um, or any kind of group dynamic, siblings. There's someone's always the odd man or odd woman out. Yeah. Uh, someone's always the focal point of the discussion. It's usually the person who's not in the room. Um, and there is a certain amount of like necessitated shit talking and venting that needs to be done in any group dynamic just to, for everybody to feel balanced and healthy. Like you have to understand and accept the fact that when you're touring for a living or when you're in any group dynamic professionally that when you're not in the room, people are probably talking about you because you know that when someone else isn't in the room, they're being talked about. We're all, we're all, we're all guilty it. and we're all guilty it of, happens, of but, it too. But it's not, it doesn't yeah. have to be skewed as a bad thing unless you're like, fuck that person when they, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, just like processing everybody yeah. around you's right. in like unique personas, traits, idiosyncrasies, it's hard to do. And you end up clashing with people a lot when you're in a tight environment, like on a bus or even worse when you're in a a van and you got like a few crew members and a six person band and all of a sudden, and and a couple girlfriends and all of a sudden you have 11 people in a 15 passenger van. And like, it's amazing how distant you can feel from people that you're physically so close to. Uh, So looking back in my experiences, I would say don't be afraid of confrontation. Don't be afraid of like showing your true colors and wearing your heart on your sleeve a little more. I was always guilty of that as a super emo high school kid. I mean, right. it's like if I had a crush on a girl, I would like write a corny poem for her and like give it to her. And like mm-hmm. I was never afraid of stuff like that, even though it never worked. But when it came time to being an adult and like, oh, I have an issue with the way this person is being or – I have a problem with whatever it is. Like I would just like internalize it, just like bury it, bury it down deep, you know, and like it'll go away eventually. And that's so the worst way to handle it. Um, so I were, I wish in a lot of ways <clears throat> I could go back in time and fix some of that stuff, but you can't, and you can't live with regrets. You you can't live looking over your shoulder. You you got to just like take the things that have happened to you. Um, or the things you've caused to happen to other people, you got to take it in stride. You got to analyze it, learn from it, and and look forward and see how you can. Um, this reminds me of like a magnet that was on my mom's fridge. Like, don't let yesterday take up too much of today. You know, um, that's Mom, true. I think moms about, are they're always good for that. But yeah, too. they're so always they're always good for that kind of stuff. Those little yeah. anecdotes, except. My mom, like most of the things she had hanging up around the house had to do with wine. They were all like <laughs> kitschy little phrases about wine. Right. So I didn't learn a lot from that. But there were a few gems in there and that was one of them. And I, I think about that a lot, like not to dwell on the past uh, too much. And clearly I do. Look, <laughs> we're I, sitting here talking about it. But but we're, well, and, and, and hopefully all the good, you know, we're getting a little bit of both, but like not to dwell on the bad it's stuff. It's about squeezing the good out of the bad, mm-hmm. I think. You got you to. Gotta, yeah. You but and also you you just you just said it you know making you, you've made amends for some of the bad and that's the more important thing as we grow and become w- hopefully wise adults and learn yeah. you know from our past mistakes is 
making amends, putting maybe putting some peace in your own self, and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, he, everybody hopefully heals from that. And I, yeah. I've, I think we're all just working on it. I don't think anybody's great at that. It's, uh, it's a life skill that takes a lot of finesse to get okay at. I don't even think I'm great yeah. at it. And just, I find myself lingering on things that probably don't even matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and it's how quick can you get yourself back out of that. So yes, you staying busy, you said this you know, a few minutes ago, keeping busy and moving forward is, is uh, you know, just an amazing concept of your, you keeping yourself busy with all these different outlets for creativity, which is really all three of those things you just rattled off. You're band leader and playing drums for Dan and Shay. You're actually being creative as an artist. And then you, you know, f- for that, for all intents and purposes, Andrew did all the creative stuff at his, at the Fox in Nashville. Like that's, you know, another out, you're, those are all outlets for you to like yeah. showcase yourself and, you know, your friends and, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm behooved to pl- plug 1767 designs and Patrick and the great team there. Cause they, you know, designed and built the bar for us, um, and did an amazing job and we're working with them on our next place too. But, uh, yeah, in terms of all the, you know, menu design and everything graphic and digital and logo and branding wise, it's like kind of been a pet project for me, which is fun because it's, you know, like an experiment, but it has real world consequences. Yeah. You know? Uh, so luckily my partner and, you know, our team trust me with that and it's, it's fun to do. And I think that now to flash forward to where we sort of started with the state of touring that you're currently in, you have a, you have a, your main job in life affords you to be home and help handle yeah. those things. And, yeah. um, and so in the evolution of Andrew Cook versus driving, you know, a million hours overnight and mm-hmm. being stuck with a bunch of other smelly grown men in a van, you know, it's, it's the evolution to being a weekend warrior, having a full-time job playing music, which I assume still number one yeah. enjoyment in life. Yeah, for sure. You know, to then be able to go home and have other things that you're passionate about. And, um, you've, you've done it, man. Those are three branches of your life that make mm-hmm. up the Andrew Cook that I know and really enjoy hanging out with and spending time with. And Thanks, man. it's cool to see how you can stretch that out into, you know, making a whole life. You know, I'm, I'm sure 19, 20 year old you was like, I'm just playing drums. That's all I ever want to yeah, do. And then now you cared about and yeah. you've, you've found pa- multiple passions. I don't think we're all going to be lucky in life to find all that, you know? So the fact that you've turned, you have three careers in theory. Yeah. You have three careers right I now. Do, I do feel very fortunate, you know, um, and hopefully they all continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick, and then this is the other, th- this was number three before. So the first two were advice to yourself. And mm-hmm. then how about, um, you know, so far it's been predominantly sort of uh, crew folk that I've talked to and people that work to support the artists on the road. Um, what is your advice to anybody that might be listening that's in a band, that is an artist, that's just playing drums in their room, guitar, you know, et cetera, advice to sort of the next generation of musicians, bands for um, getting on the road or mm-hmm. finding other musicians or, you know, like what can, what do you, what do you think you would want to say to them at this point? Yeah, this is such a tough question. Cause like people will DM me on Instagram and ask me this a lot and it's like, almost like based on the assumption that, that they think that everybody that succeeds to a certain degree has like the magic answer or has like the bag of magic beans and that's that's not it. And 
some people are just luckier than others in some senses. Some people work harder than others. But again, I think it's like, well, how's the phrase go? Like luck is where hard work and opportunity meet, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Um, But it is true. You know, I think advice to someone who's playing drums in their room or trying to start a band, it's just like practice a lot, practice more than you think you need to be the most prepared person in the room whether it's playing drums, writing songs, doing whatever, if you want to be an actor, like be the most rehearsed person. If you're going in to try out for a play, I mean, acting and writing were both big parts of my life as well. And, you know, I was a theater kid growing up and I was always kind of consumed by this like maniacal obsession to be the most prepared. Um, I would never want to not be able to remember a line I needed to remember. Uh and you can relate that to music as well. You know, um, one of my bigger regrets as an adult that I haven't had a lot of living situations where I've been able to practice drums on my own and just like riff right. for most of my adult life. And that is a bummer because I loved and definitely did not appreciate it enough at the time or didn't realize how much I took it for granted at the time. I loved how I could just go in my parents' basement or out in the barn where my kit was set up and just jam for like three hours with nobody to bother me. Uninterrupted jam. No one to judge me. And like, that doesn't exist anymore. So if you have an opportunity like that, enjoy it, you know, enjoy it while you can get the most out of it. And ultimately I think, you got to pursue things because you really want to do them, not because you think they're going to make you money um, because money will not make you happy. Uh, Good circle around. Yeah. I, you know, it's full circle. I don't have a lot of money, but I have enough money to pay my rent and to like eat what I want to eat. And to me, that's success. (laughs) Like I, that's kind of how I gauge success in life. Um, So I don't have to sweat it out every day. I don't have to like worry about where my next meal is going to come from because not to be hyperbolic, but when we were touring early on, I did. I There were times when I literally had like $15 to my name. Like that was it. Right. So I would be eating like a can of tuna fish that I brought from home before the tour and a bag of Cheez-Its, like the 99 cent bag of Cheez-Its. And that's what I would eat until after the show when we would each award ourselves 5 to $10 from merch money so that we could get Taco Bell. Like... I, you know, lived like that for years. And, and so it really makes me appreciate now yeah. being able to do what I want to do for a living, being able to pay my rent and my phone bill, my internet bill, um, and just being able to eat a good meal if I want to eat a good meal. And that to me is happiness, you know? Um, so I would say, yeah, if you're pursuing something for any reason other than that thing, makes you happy or will give you the kind of life you want to have like it's not worth it um there are a lot of other things i could have done in life to make more money but that's not important right well i think that's a great ending point yeah um please right now feel free to i know we touched on andrew's three sort of pillars right now of, of andrew cook um uh so easy co yeah, Easy Co. The Fox. The Fox. And then 
Dan and Shay. I mean, also they don't, they don't need me promoting. Them. No, I but mean, I mean, they're everywhere, as you guys probably witnessed. Right. But, you know, DanandShay.com. Yeah, but um, but so real quick though, but tell people where they can find you across the board. So Andrew Cook, and yeah. then Easyco, and then Fox. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm on Instagram pretty actively. Mm-hmm. My handle is Andrew Stephen Cook. My full name. That is Stephen with a PH. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm on there. I'm on Twitter. Unfortunately, uh, Andrew to the moon. And I only say that because it's pretty much just a well of bad news these days. Yeah. So I've been uh, on a kick of trying to retweet more positive things lately because it's Twitter's basically my daily dose of bad news. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm on there, Andrew to the moon. Instagram, Andrew Stephen Cook. Also, Easy Co. Loves You on Instagram, which happens to be my website address as well. Cool. Yeah, check- EasyCoLovesYou.com. And check- that's EZCO. Check those things out. Andrew's got some really fun, fun yeah. art. A lot of people pronounce Ezco, un, you know, <laughs> right. understandably, right. because if you don't hear it, you know, it just looks like a word. But Easyco is short for Easy Company, which was inspired by Band of Brothers, but also... Uh, Great show. Yes, definitely. It's kind of works twofold because Easy Company is like a way I've always like to describe myself like I've always prided myself on being good in social situations and while being slightly introverted like I feel like I'm able to get along with just about anybody or find common ground with just about anybody anybody that knows me well knows that I like to know a little about a lot of things yeah I like to absorb information renaissance man yeah you know uh I I just love learning about things I love learning about people Mm -hmm. I listen to podcasts more than I do music these days, probably about four or five hours a day in general, um, especially when I'm at home. Um, it's just like one of the things I really enjoy in life. And uh, yeah, so Easy Company was kind of born out of that. Um, so Easy Co., yep, hit me up for any of your logo, branding, merch, packaging, album art, whatever needs, you know. I'm always game to do more stuff, but... You know, I am very thankful that in that avenue of life, I get to work with a lot of friends on things and I get to work with bands that I grew up listening to now and I get to make art for people that I love and whose work I respect. And yeah, you know, it's cool. Nothing better than that. And then come have a drink at the Fox in Nashville. The The website is thefoxnashville.com, the Fox Bar and Cocktail Club. You can find us at the Fox Nashville on Instagram as well. Give it a follow. Come have a cocktail or a non-alcoholic drink. Also a fantastic uh, vegan menu. Yeah. So anybody vegan out there listening, if you're coming to Nashville, there's late night vegan food available yes, at the Fox. Indeed. Yeah. Come uh, get that vegan charcuterie yeah. or the vegan cheesesteak. Also very good. Yeah. Uh, well, Andrew Cook, thank you so much for sitting down and taking some time out of your tour life day. Thank you, Evan Pierre. Um, and then... Don't forget to follow us on at Notes from the Road Pod on socials. I haven't decided if we're going Twitter yet. I think I'm just sticking to Instagram, but notes That's probably all you need. At Notes from the Road Pod. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me. Cool. Thanks, dude. Right. Yeah. Huge shout out to AC for taking some time out of his busy tour day to chat with me. Remember, luck is where hard work and opportunity meet. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Notes from the Road Pod. Rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Notes from the Road is produced and engineered by Isaac Burkhart, along with production and design by Andrew Cook. Thanks. See you next time.